So tonight, um, before I get started, uh, I know a lot of you guys know when I come up here and speak, but Eugene, this is his first time, you know, a speaking. Um, so I'll kind of address it. You guys know. Um, but whenever I speak, whenever I give a word, um, I never call myself a preacher or I'm just Terrence. You know, I, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people say like, well, he has a word or this this is Minister Terrence or uh, uh, you know Apostle Terrence. I'm just Terrence. So like whenever I release something or I give a word, it's just from me being in this earthly realm, and I have a message from the kingdom. That's all it is. Because at the end of the day, I'm not nobody. He's everything. I'm nobody. I'm just like a little ant. Just delivering the message, hoping that you guys get something out of it. I'm really nothing. I'm just I'm just standing here. You know? So I just want to get that out of the way. Um, but um, tonight, man, I, I, like I said, I, I told you guys last week I was preparing something. And I don't know if you guys looked over that scripture during the week, because I told you guys, you know, look over it. Um, Matthew 16, 24 verse 28. Just a little snap bit longer, just because there's a lot I have to cover. Um, but I plan to preach on this again too, not next week, but for the gospel, I might save a little bit for next week. So um, I'll be, you know, curious of all you guys' time too. I know you, a lot of you guys haven't eaten yet, I mean, <coughs> but just be curious of the time too. So, um, yeah, in Matthew 16, um, verse 24, I read it last week. He said, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to follow me, you must, now, I know in your, some of your Bible says you must first deny yourself. Nah, yeah. in, 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 in this Bible I'm reading, it says, which I find really interesting, it says, give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you try to hang on to your life, you lose But if you give up your life, for my sake. So if you give up your life, the way you do things, the way you think, the way you operate, your upbringing, the way your family told you to think. But if you put on me, put on Christ, that's where your life is. That's when you gain life. You put away your old self and put on the new man. So it says, what is it to you to benefit or gain the whole world but lose your own soul? If any, is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come in his angels in all his glory and his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. So, what we're looking at right here is a really deep, really message because what Jesus is really saying is when he called his disciples, he didn't call Peter thinking that he was going to operate in Peter's own way. He said, come follow me, and as you follow me, I'll show you a new way, not only a new way, but a new way to live your life, but also a new way to operate, a new way to do business, a new way to think, a new way to conversate. Because, see, when Jesus came to the earth, as we know, he's the only, we know he was God incarnated, you know, he was a threefold trinity. But we also know he was a man. He came as a fleshly man, but he was also God. But he's the only man besides Adam who's experienced the kingdom, the kingdom world, but also the natural, which he's in time. They're the only two. So when Jesus did things, he didn't do things like we did. Like I told you the last time we spoke, Jesus was functioning from a heaven's frequency that was beyond our time. And be 
before our time. So that's why he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. No, nothing, nothing, that there's nothing you can do or there's nothing I haven't seen that I have not seen already. Right. I, I am who I am. Right. That's what he told Moses when he went at the burning bush. He said, well, what can I tell the people when I go back to Egypt? Well, what's your name? He said, I am that I am. Damn. There's nowhere in between. Right, right. So what I really want us to get is, and this is just, I'm just, this, this is just me right here. <laughs> this is me, guys. But what I really want us to get as I continue this message is how Jesus operated when he spent three years with the disciples. We have to understand that a lot of these, when we go to church and we fellowship with each other, we read the word, we have to get out of our natural time. We got to get our mind out of the natural time that we're in. And we have to get into a place in the spirit that the things that we think we used to know or the things we think are familiar to us in this world and in the kingdom, maybe it's going to be different. And we have to train ourselves in our minds and our spirit to be flexible and to expand because we don't want to put any limit on God's kingdom or what the word he's trying to give us. Sometimes I think we as human beings, we get so caught up with what we know about the word and who's preaching to us. We get too comfortable. But when someone gives us, we hear new revelation or someone gives us something new, fresh revelation from heaven, we get kind of comfortable in our own little way. Say, well, I'm only going to believe this, but I don't want to believe that. And that's where that religious spirit comes in, see? Because you want to Believe what you've always been told to believe. Right, right. But when but when Jesus came to the disciples, he was saying stuff that the Pharisees and Sadducees, they wasn't teaching them that. Right, no. They was teaching them about the book of the law of Moses. He says, do this and you do that. There's no in-between. Do this, and this is how you find eternal life. Jesus says, forget all that. He threw it away. He threw it away. He says, the kingdom I'm trying to bring, you haven't heard, you have not seen. No one has ever talked about it before. So this is this is something new. Right, right. So you know why he did that? So no one could say, oh, I got this from you. Oh, right, right. Jesus got this revelation from you. you know, he said, I got it from my father. He said, no one has seen the father except Jesus. He said, I'm the only one. So all the information he was getting was straightly from heaven. So I'm going to read one more, another scripture. And it's in Matthew 4. Verse 18 through 22. Says, okay. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, Andrew, throwing the net into the water where they fished for a living. Jesus called to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. You know, make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And further up more, he saw two others. Brothers James and John sitting in the boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come. They immediately, think about this, y'all. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Immediately. This wasn't just something that said, well, I, I think I might follow him. Or I think, he had to understand the type of relationship that Jesus had with his father where he was walking and let's just say I'm Jesus and I'm walking say you're Peter you're John you're Andrew he's walking and as he's walking the father he's hearing the his father as he's walking he's saying that's not Simon that's that's my Peter so Jesus just operates oh so him yeah that, that that's the little one John I want him too because I'm gonna use him to write revelation later on I need him go get him so Jesus Okay, okay, I got you, Father. So you see how he was operating in? As he went, the Father was with him. Yeah. See, a lot of people say, like, man, what, what? Why did they, why were they so immediately just drawn to Jesus? Yeah. Have we ever thought that? Yeah. Like, what right. made you just right. drop everything? Just, right. like, like, would you do that? Right. <laughs> just drop everything, your, your work, your everything, and just, just go? Right. Like, so what made them do that? was because the father knew no. already. He says, I know you before the foundations of the world. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And Jesus, Jesus even said in John, he, Jesus said in John, he said, 
the, by my Father knows you, and he has kept you for me to tell you the truth, which is him, the Father. So that tells you that when Jesus was on the earth, he was operating not just by himself, but in a higher frequency from heaven. He was actually hearing the Father really audibly in his spirit. He said, you know, Peter, you know, Simon, you're not Simon, you're Peter, because my Father said you're Peter. There was a lot of things that he operated in that Jesus was talking to him at a point that even though he was in, Peter was in his time, but Jesus was telling stuff to Peter that was out of his time. Right. So Jesus, here's my point. When Jesus called them, he was not looking at them from their perspective. Right, right. He was looking at them right. from the end game, right, right, what they were right. going to become. Right. Not where they were right now. Like, I'm not looking at Roy where he is right now. I'm seeing 5, 10, 15. I've already seen the completed work. So that's how I'm looking at him. I'm not looking at him where he's right now. I'm not looking at Sarah right now. I'm looking at who she's going to become. And know that I know she's going to become, now it's now I have to train you. Now I have to develop you. Now I have to make you like me, Jesus. And now I have to break down the groundwork so you can walk in my father's kingdom. And that's what he was doing. That's why it took him three years. Because it's so easy. It's really, really hard. And I know me and Paul talked about this. When you train somebody, it's hard to do it in the natural sense. So when you're doing it in the spirit, it's even more hard. Because Jesus actually had to take his, uh, his uh, uh, disciples and train them in such a way where when he left and the Holy right. Spirit came, right. they knew everything Jesus taught them so mm -hmm. they can operate in the spirit and they can change the world. Mm -hmm. yes. So th that was pretty That was pretty deep. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to realize the more when we walk in the spirit, guys, the more people come in, we have to train ourselves. Let's not look at that person, even though he's on drugs, right. he may be homosexual. But listen, I believe the power of the Lord of God can... Right. Can make him come out of that. Right. I believe somebody can be, come up here do prostitution, but I believe when we touch her, we touch her, she can come out of that. Yeah. See, and I think that's where, you know, I love the church, and don't get me wrong, I love the church. I love Jesus' stance for the church, but there's some things in the church I'm, I question certain leaderships, and that's, and that's okay. Everyone, everyone's not perfect. Everyone has a story. Everyone's not perfect. But I will say this, if you're not preaching what this word says to your congregation or to your people, it's false doctrine. It's just false doctrine. And we have a lot of, I should say, over-spiritualized things going on right now in the church. And I'm just not talking about one specific church, I'm just talking about the whole body. That we need to just go back to the basics. Go back to just the word, what the word says. Not what makes us feel good. Right. You know, I think a lot of preachers, they just preach what makes us feel good, and they don't really try to give us the meat what's really in here. Right. And I think that's really like the issue is like, you want us to grow, you want us to prosper and get out of our immaturity, but you you rather have us suck in the bottle instead of giving us meat. If you keep on wanting me suck on the bottle, I'll never mature. Right, right, right. That was a lot of that. But, um... So basically, following Jesus was an invitation to live on a higher level, mm -hmm. to think on a higher level, mm -hmm. and to make choices on a higher level. Right. So, in other words, following Jesus, when they took that step and they decided to follow Jesus, at that moment, Jesus says, now you have to operate how me and my father operate, which is not on the level that you're at right now. It's a higher level. That's why... You know, me and we're talking about it. That's why how many times you hear, you know, we, we, we always say Jesus or God. But really what they said was the Lord most high, which is higher above all principalities and powers. Said the Lord most high. So when you try to read it, you have to think higher. You have to do things on a higher level. Because it says we're seated together in heavenly places with Christ. Far above principalities and power. So how can you be two places at once? Mm. Tell me that. How can you be two? You, you, you're in time, but then you're, you're out of time. So was Jesus. He was in time with the disciples, but he was listening to a frequency his father 
outside of time. So, all, so yep, Holy Spirit. So all the information he was given to these disciples who was in time was downloaded from a point from the Holy Ghost that had not been brought down yet that they needed, he needed to download in them. So when it came, he said, okay, now we're starting to come. Now I remember. Now I remember what you said, Jesus. Holy Spirit. So the 12 were about to be trained to deny their culture. This is important. The 12 apostles were about to be trained to deny their culture of their time and start to listen to the Father's frequency from heaven. So what he was saying is the 12 apostles, the way that the world functioned, the way that they did things, for example, with us, it's like how our time is like, what what name something that's popular today, Sarah, that like we all do opposed to our time. Uh look at our phones. Look at our phones. So <laughs> Can you imagine somebody right now just like just living high, thinking high level? God said, I don't need my phone. Everybody looking at their phone, he's just like, pop, pop, sorry, dude. <laughs> but but to say, like, okay, I, I can get that. I don't need that to run my life. I'm think I'm I'm living on a higher level. I don't this is not gonna control me. Come on, come on. So that's what he was trying to teach his, teach his disciples to not only think on a higher level, but some of these things and the cultures in our world, it's just gonna it's just gonna weigh us down. And it's going to allow the enemy to what? Create open doors. So he can come through. So that's what he was trying to do. To train not only their mind, but how they live in the culture of their time. And to deny it. That's right. That's it. Because he said, you must follow me. If you want to be my disciple, he said, you must deny your own way, your own culture, your own time, your present time, whatever. What's pleasing to the world and come after me. He didn't say, he said, you need to come after me. Like, you need to pursue me. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And that's deep. Mm -hmm. I can say, oh, come, you know, you can say, boss, hey, come follow me somewhere. Or, you go follow me. He said, no, I want you to come after me. Right. Now, that, that sounds like more of some my love instead of you giving somebody an order. He said, I want you to pursue me. But what, the, but what these 12 did not know following Jesus, that this would very much cost them everything, even their own very lives. When he called them, he said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They were thinking, oh, we're going to start this revolution. We're going to go against Rome. We're going to do all this stuff. He's going to be the king. We're going to put him on the throne, and we're going to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, they ain't going to be all that. It's not going to be that. Because what his mission was, was not to overtake the violence of the world, but to overcome sin. He was on a natural battle. He was on a spiritual battle. See, but the disciples, they wanted to take action. You know, Peter, they said, Peter and Judas said, man, man, you got all the followings. Hey, you, you're riding on a donkey. You have palm trees. You the king. You can just you can just cut their heads off. You can do whatever you want right now. But Jesus says, there may come a time for that when I come back a second time. But right now, this is not the time for that because the battle I'm fighting right now is a battle that you don't understand. It's sin and death is what I'm fighting. So he even had to train the disciples' mind to look at it in a spiritual way to say. You may think I have came here for this, but I'm really coming here for this. Again, the higher you go, the deeper the cost. The higher you go, the deeper the cost. So even Jesus, if you look at Jesus, how Jesus lived his life, he was really kind of secluded before he met the 12. You really don't have any records of him Besides, he was born in a manger. You really then he met John the Baptist. He got baptized. There's really no record, and they probably could find some. You know, he spent a lot of time in Egypt when he when when Herod was going to kill him. So he said, so Mary and Joseph. He gave Joseph the dream, and they went to Egypt as he was a child. He spent most of his childhood in Egypt. But besides that, you have no record of what really happened to Jesus. And I feel like in my heart that what I believe, just from what I've learned and what I've seen is that he was spent most of his time in the temple 
with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, with the religious leaders, and he was teaching them. And that's when they got jealous of him because they said, how can this little boy at such a young age know more of stuff than we do? So that was the first time that that religious spirit came on Jesus because they, they, they were threatened by a little boy. So that's why when he got older and he came back to his hometown, they, they was like, hey, what are we going to do with him? It was a spirit of jealousy on Jesus that came at Jesus. Because he was telling them things even as a little boy. He even told his mom, he was like, remember when Jesus went and, he, and Mary and Joseph couldn't find him? And when they found him, they were like, we've been looking for you for days. He said, don't you know I've been in my father's house? So he so he said it like in a manly, like, this is a little boy. He said, woman, he said, don't you know I've been in my father's house? He said it with like, 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 woman, do you, if you know who I am and where I've been, you just, this is his mom, he called him a woman. And he said that again, you know, at, at the wedding, when he made the blood and the wine. Mary tried to say, come on, Jesus, I know you can do it. This is your time. This is your time to show people who you are. Jesus said, woman, it's not my time. It's not my time. Do you know why Jesus, you know why he said that? Because even Jesus, a man of God, almighty and flesh, there was a cause. There was a cause. So even Jesus himself the moment I change this water into one, every demon in hell is going to come after me. That it begins. Every demon in hell, because those principalities and powers, once they see what's going on, once those words come, there's a miracle worker, there's a miracle worker. Jesus was going to be on warrant for demonic arrest. They were going to come after him. Once the religious leaders heard him raising people from the dead, him doing healings, guess what? It was going to start knocking on Jesus' door. But you know what that teaches us when we walk in a certain power of the Holy Spirit? We gotta be careful how we use our mouths. Yes, come on, amen. Because we don't even right. know. We could be right. speaking to someone and, and the devil could be right there listening to every word right. you say. Right. There's a reason why Jesus spoke in parables. Right. He spoke in secrets. He did not tell them exactly what he said. He said it from a spiritual language. Yeah. He said it in parables. Mm -hmm. So that the Pharisees and the Sadducees yep. wouldn't know what he That's was saying. Right. But the disciples by the Spirit would know what they were saying. And he would explain it to them after he said it. He would give them a parable, but afterward, they, 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 he said, Jesus said, let's get on the boat. He'd go far out to sea where no one could hear him, and he'd explain the parable. Perfect example. There's times when me and Pops work. We're, we're talking the Spirit. We'll be out of this region. We won't say something that applies to this region because we know there's demons in this region. Listen, familiar spirits. So we'll wait till we get out of this region and say it. And I think most Christians now don't really understand this this spiritual law. It's because it's never really been taught in the church of how to not just speak. You know, we know how to pray. We know how to worship. But just be careful what we say when we release it. Our words are like... It becomes, we manifest with the words, and not only that, but there's a spiritual world who is listening it, to yeah. every single word we say. There was a lot of that, you guys. There was a lot of that. Um, so to die is to gain. To die to oneself is simply telling the old you, you have no more power over me. I am a new creature in Christ. Yes, right. So along with how we speak, how we think on a higher level, what he was teaching these three years, the disciples, when he said, come follow me. So he was thinking how to think on a higher level, putting the old man away, everything that you're familiar with. So in three years, Jesus, in three years, was able to break down all of that. And so then when the Holy Ghost came, and breathed on them, they were ready to go out in the world and change the world. Change the world, yes. So the next scripture I'm going to read is Matthew 19. And Peter said to him, 
we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? You know, Peter, he just had to be, he had to be the one to say it. Like, what? I'm not going to get out of this. We're talking about you're going to die in three days and raise up and you're trying to tell us we got to think higher and all this stuff. We this natural world going through hell and fires and tribulations and all this stuff. What are we going to get out of this? <laughs> Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, that the, when the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you have, you who have been my followers will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers, some of our families, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or children, or properties for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. So right there, y'all, we talked about the cost of following Jesus. And Jesus basically said, if you leave your home, they even said, they left their fathers. When he sees the father, they left everything. And you know how hurtful that probably was to be so attached to your family and then just say, our right, we just follow. Right. They left everything. And they find out like, oh now Jesus gonna die. Now we just out here just, just looking looking dumb. But see, just like I said, he said, Jesus said, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna live your life, you gotta die to your life. And then you gain life again. Right, so everything that you love on this earth, you gotta die from. It. Yes. And that even means our children, yeah. our family, the things that pull on our souls, that are weight to us. Because he said, if you want to operate on a higher level, you know that's why the apostle, the apostle Peter, you know, uh, apostle Peter, and also apostle Paul, when he went, especially the apostle of Paul, when he went, you know, Barnabas was always his right hand man. He would go, they would travel. But that's why the apostle Paul, he said, you don't have to come with me if you don't want to. Because the apostle Paul knew the danger spiritually, the spiritual attacks that would come about. He said, I can do this alone. This was the task that Jesus gave to me to spread message to the Gentiles. He said, I don't need no one to come with me because he knew the cost. I feel, you know, and I feel like this, this is, this, this is not really doing the message. This is just us in our life. And I think I learned this a lot from Pops. If we don't call, count the cost of things that we do in our lives, even spiritually, I think sometimes, you know, when we go in and do make a decision or we do something in our lives and we don't count the cost, sometimes I think it can be more of a burden or a burden to us, you know, than we realize. I think, and definitely when you're operating the spirit. If you don't realize the things, how powerful you are in the spirit, and you're operating in the spirit, you have to realize that, you know, there may be attacks on your family when you're operating the type of authority and anointing. Definitely when you're raising a family, you're a father of your home, as Roy and probably Eugene, you know, when you're a father of your home and you're operating by the Holy Spirit, there will be attacks. There will be attacks on your children, there will be attacks on your family, and it's because of that stance of righteousness that you carry that the devil hates. He says, if I can't kill you, then I'll come after your children. If I can't kill your children, then I'll, then I'll get you sick. So he, he's relentless. I mean, he said it. He said, the devil is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Yes, he said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, yeah, and destroy. destroy. Yeah, right, right. If he can't kill you, then he'll steal your children mm -hmm. of everything you love and hold dear. Because I'm saying, it'll be easy to kill you. But the worst thing is to take the things that you love that will affect your soul. Because that will get, that will get you sick and Okay, so um, we have to understand that what we sow in this will reap later on in the right. next. Right. What we sow in this life will reap or echo where we are in the next. And, you know, that sowing and reaping principle, we've all known it, we've known it for years, but very few People are talking about, you know, we always hear about bringing the kingdom, you know, going raptured up and stuff like that. But a lot of few people don't talk about God bringing the kingdom here. God coming down 
and, and, and operating his kingdom on the earth. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's where, you know, he's using us as pioneers right now to pave the way for the next generation. So they know about, you know, one day, you know, our Lord, our God most high is going to come back down. He's going to make things right here. Right. You know, he's going right. to turn things where they're supposed to be. Right. Right. Telling our children this, telling our people this. You either love this world because you're of this world, or you hate this world's ways because you're kingdom bound. I'm going to read this again. You either love this world because you're of this world, or you hate this world's ways because you're kingdom bound. You either love this world, you love this present world, because you're of this world, she says we're not of this world, right, or right. you hate this world's ways, how it operates, how it functions, how it does things, the systems of this world, our government, the way they do things. Not to say to hate them, but to say this is not our kingdom, how we operate. Right. Mm -hmm. We operate on a higher level, on a kingdom level. You hate this world's ways because you're kingdom bound. I'm bound. I'm not bound to this world. I'm bound to the kingdom. Right. I'm not. I'm not a slave to this world. Right. You're not going to change. I'm bound to a higher kingdom. Yes. You can't bound somebody in this world when you're higher up. Right. Right. You can't change somebody that's up, up, up who's up here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, Jesus said when they, when they crucified him, he said, he said my kingdom is not of this world. Mm -hmm. He said, if it was, my angels and my people would fight for me. Mm. Jesus, he, he told Pontius Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Right. He said, these people want me to die because he said, my own people killed me. He said, he's not my people. He said, my people are up there waiting for me to return. And they're probably having about to have a celebration. We're going to have a celebration. Because a lot of the people who are David, Abraham, Isaac, all the patriarchs of the old, are right in Hades waiting for me to bust down hell's door to get him and take him back to the bottom. And what we don't understand is there was a lot of people like David, all the patriarchs, before the, before, you understand, before he said, I'm finished, before he died on the cross, he said, before the veil was torn, now when we got our spirit and our souls can go access to, to him. Right. We can go straight to the kingdom, to heaven. But before that, before the veil was torn, we couldn't be with God. See, because sin was still present. The blood wasn't shed yet. So David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were waiting on him too. Like he, the 12 disciples he called, they were like, are you leaving us? He said, no, I got to go get them because they've been waiting far longer than you guys. They sacrificed way more. And this was over thousands of years. They were just waiting for him like, Man, come on, man. We've been, we've been prophesied since. Since the Garden of Eden, you prophesied that you was going to bring this redeemer. We've been waiting, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. And let me let me make this clear. I don't think they were in hell. They were in a, a secluded place in their spirit of rest until Christ came to take them back to his father's kingdom. Because he even said, he said, he told Nicodemus, he said, no one has seen the father except by me. This was prior to him being crucified and the, and the veil being torn to have access to the earth and heaven. So we have to understand that. So when Jesus was here, nobody could get to the Father except through him. Nobody. No one was in heaven. Nobody was at the kingdom. Nobody. But the moment he says, it is done. It is finished. And that veil tore and the earth split. That was really Jesus kicking out the door of hell. He said, give me the keys. I need the keys. And I guarantee you, David, Abraham, this is, there was so much celebration because this is my Redeemer has finally come. My Redeemer has finally come. And this is the most, this is the most beautiful part about it, you guys. The people like that were that got destroyed, you know, before that, like all the people got destroyed with the flood. You know, when he flooded the earth, all the people for, you know, they got killed by Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to this. Even they have the opportunity. Oh my goodness. Sodom and Gomorrah, the most yeah. the most <laughs> wicked city, had the opportunity when he was in the pit of hell to drop to their knees and 
is to see Christ. That's powerful. That's powerful. So for us to say, oh, well, this God's going to hell because you don't know that. Right. If Sodom and Gomorrah could repent and get on it, and when he, Jesus was in heaven, and they can say, Lord, we need you. We didn't know this. We, we want your eternal life. Because he said everyone has the opportunity to receive grace. So even those who didn't have a chance had to receive it. And, I, you know, probably some did and some not. And those who did, he took them to glory. You know? And we even said in Revelation, when, well, not Revelation, but in Matthew when he died, that there was actually bodies coming out their graves and dancing in the streets after he said it's finished. So even the dead rejoiced. Those who were dead came out of their graves. We have to stop mixing in the church with the world. This is another one that has really been on my heart is, you know, when God calls us, he expects us to follow him and to deny ourselves, to deny ourselves of the world, to deny ourselves of pleasures and, you know, lustful things. And I'm not, in, please let me, let me, let me make this clear. I'm not trying to say that you have to be picture perfect. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say you have to be, have your, all your T's and dots crossed. I'm not trying to say you have to be having this perfect life. You have to be this perfect preacher. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is your heart has to be right. right. What you do with your heart has to be intentional. Because there's a lot of people who seem like they're doing right on the outside. Or you think they're perfect, but their heart is doing so much wicked, y'all. And, and only the Lord can look at the person's heart. Come on, right. That's why we can't judge. Only the Lord can look at the heart. The Lord says, I, I see the hearts of all men. And judge them accordingly. But... You guys, we have, you know, we have Snoop Dogg, who's this great rapper, doing gospel albums and smoking weed. You know, just what, what our kids are seeing right now, that's not the church. That's not God. And it's not kingdom. It's not God. It's not the way it should be. And we have Christian artists who would rather sell their soul to a, to a, to a really, really artist than to use their gift for God. Because yeah. even Jesus said, God said, he said, I'll make room for your gift. Yeah. I'll make room for you. But they would rather let their fame mm -hmm. and fortune mm -hmm. and everything that the world, you know, they're craving in their flesh mm -hmm. yeah. to just pull them in. Mm -hmm. And that's not what God wants. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have to be very careful, really, in the day we're living in, to really right. test, to really use our spirit to test, really test each spirit. Even even preachers, like, test to see if they're if they're reading from this word. Mm -hmm. Test to see if, if they really are. You know, he said test test each spirit according to their work and what their fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of Christians, we don't do that as, as we should. And I'm not trying to say, like, trying to put someone in a box and try to say, oh, you're doing this. You're no, no, no. Just gently say, man, you know what? Let me pray with you about this. Just in, 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 in a way, because you know the, the, the spirit of offense is so so. But you tell somebody something right now, and they're like, "Well, you don't, no, 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 no. You can't do that no more. You can't tell people the truth and expect it to, you know, still be on good terms. You can't do that no more. You used to, but you can't do that no more. You can't talk to people no more for some reason. But um, it comes down to us as believers how much. And how far are we willing to go to represent his kingdom yeah. on this earth? Because right. the farther we go, the deeper will the attacks come. The farther we go, you know, Jesus only had, what, two two people when he got on the cross with him? He went from 1,000 to 12 to only two. His, his mother, John, and then Mary Magdalene, so he had three. So the higher up you go, people are just going to start leaving because... A lot of people don't know how to operate at that high level in the right, kingdom. Right, right, yeah. And I don't think they don't know how. It's that they, they haven't been taught. They haven't been preached to. There's a lot of people who don't even know. And that's where we come into. Like you said, like you guys have been being people, bringing them in, letting them hear the good news of Christ, preaching right. to them, like Eugene did at the mall, letting her know about the love of God so that she can learn, so she can grow, so she can develop. This is what this, this is what it's all about. Right. It's about the good news of Christ, right. Jesus. I would rather have people who are unchurched, who don't know anything about Jesus, 
and show them the good news except so, besides someone who's been in the church for, for ten, 5, 15, 10 years who has all this religious yeah. like ways to them and you, you tell them and it just it just won't because you know that's why Jesus went to the prostitutes the tax collectors yeah. he didn't go to the Sadducees and the Pharisees yeah. Yeah. because they weren't just going to get it He's, he and he talked and he, and he preached to the Sadducees but they kept running away from him they kept turning their face and he says yeah. why don't you listen to the truth so there's going to be a lot of times we speak to people, guys, and they're not going to hear the truth. But we have to understand, like, okay, we planted the seed, and that's that's all that's all we can do. As followers of Christ, that's all we can do is plant the seed and move forward. Yes. I'm almost done, guys. Almost done, almost done. Almost done. Luke 14, verse 25 and 34. So Luke 14, verses 25 to 34. Now, that first message we did in Matthew about um, it was in Matthew 16, verses 24 to 28. This is in Luke, but this is this this is where my end point is. Um, it's a different version. Um, the book of Matthew, you know, when you read the Bible, there's you have Matthew's perspective on what Jesus was saying, but then you have Luke's perspective. And that's why I love reading the Bible because you're reading it from a point of perspectives of these men who wrote this. So Jesus. What I found it weird was the Holy Spirit was actually operating in each of these from a different perspective to show us how to grow, how to enlarge. So, in this verse, you know, the same verse as Matthew, it says, A large crowd was being followed by Jesus. He turned around and said, If you want to be my disciple, you must first, by comparison, hate everyone else your father, your mother, your wife. Your children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. And I think what he meant by hating your children, I don't think he meant like a vicious or, or like a like a mean hate. Like, you know, I, oh, I hate you. Like, I don't ever want to be part of your life. I think he meant this. Whatever is going to stop you from pursuing me that's going to weigh burden on you, I want you to let it go. That's what I think he meant. Because Jesus says, he, he tells us to love everybody. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. So he said, I want you to hate your, your father or your mother or your church. I don't think he, that's not what he meant. What he meant was, if it weighs you down spiritually from pursuing me, you have to let it go. Because now we're stopping our relationship, so now I have to interfere. So I'm going to keep reading. He says, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. He says, you can't. He said, you cannot be my disciple. So that tells you the cost that you have to walk this thing out. It's more than just prayer. It's more than just reading your Bible every day. And, and you guys, like, even though I'm, I'm preaching this, but God's been speaking this to me too. That's why I'm preaching too. That's why the Lord's been putting this in me to, to release me. Because this is just me too. All of us as, as a body. We have to be more of, of disciples. You know, and, and, and you know what? And I, you know, I have my mistakes too. I, I'll be the first one to tell you. I have, I have a temper. My wife would tell you I, I have a temper on me, and sometimes she calls me down. But I have my thing that I work on too. That I have to say, Holy Spirit, help me with this. Holy Spirit, help me with that. And one thing that is my pet peeve. I hate when you see these pastors using people for money, for money, and just for the wrong reason. I just wanna. Cuss and just go off. <laughs> yes, sir. But you know, Jesus said, "I'll handle it." You show them how, how it should be done. Let them come. Let them come see how you minister. Let them come. Let them come and let, let them see how you do things. And that's very hard for me to do because I just want to tell how it is. <laughs> but it says, "It says you cannot be my disciple if you don't do these If you don't." Take away those things that wear you down. You know, your family, your, your even your career, your, your work, what goes on, it, it weighs you down and it stops you from 
pursuing Jesus on a daily basis so that relationship can keep going. Amen. I'm going to keep reading. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be your, my disciple. So, if you don't carry those, those, those things in life that, that, that weigh you down, but carry it in the right way, you, and what I mean is those, those burdens that come unto you and those things in life, you know, everyone has their own cross to bear. And I, I told you, you know, that's the thing about what, what's a cross that you got to bear. And the reason why Jesus told his disciples about carrying the cross, because that's what they did. They killed Christians. And they, and they carried the cross. And it was a weight. And they had to carry it all the way up the mountain of the center. And that's where they died. That's where they killed Christians. So that's why Jesus gave them that example of carrying their cross. Because it was like a deadly thing that the Romans did to killing Christians. It was a form of torture. So we can ask ourselves, what, what would that look like for us to carry the burden, or it could be to carry a family, to carry, you know, uh, to be a CEO of a company, to carry that way. How does that, but then when you carry it, how are you doing it for, for, for Christ? How does that, how does that be for you, making you a better disciple for him? To carry your cross and to die to yourself daily. Keep reading. But, whew, here we go. Verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. Dude, he's, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. He said, don't even begin. Don't even walk it out. Don't even do a thing. He said, first you count the cost. Before you start a ministry, you count the cost. Before you do a business, you count the cost. Before you start a family, before you get married, you count the cost. Before you start anything, a new job, you count the cost. How you raise your kids, you count the cost. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm a righteous man and live in the right way. I know I have an accuser. Count the cost. Man, man, oh man. It says, for who began constructing of the building who, without first consulting the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? So you're, so you're not going to build something if you don't got enough funds or enough money to do the project. You're insane. You'd be like, you don't got no money, but you're doing this anyway. Like, you don't want, you don't want, you, you, it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to have kids, but then, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta count, the, when you do something, you just gotta count, count naturally and spiritually. Right, right, amen, amen. I'm going to keep reading. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Then they would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. He said, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with the counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 would defeat 20,000 soldiers and march against them. But if he can't, he would send, uh, I don't know what that word is, but help me out. He would send a, uh, you gotta get this. Yeah, 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 ambassador to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become a disciple without giving up everything you own. So before we um, go into prayer, the last thing, and um, I want you to read, and you guys can read this on your personal time, like when we're done with service, everything we talked about, um, but I want you to read um, James, James 1, James 1, verses 2 through 18. 2 through 18. I don't have enough time to really go into this, but we talked about calling the cost and. <laughs> You know, what are the results of, you know, counting that cost? And um, it talks about, you know, counting on joy. You know, when you go through these trials, you go through these tribulations, you know, when, when, when hell stacked against you, you got to count it on joy. You know, there's joy in spirit. Um, there's a lot of things I go through that, you know, mom and pop know about. There's a lot of things that my wife, some of you guys know about that, you know, sometimes coming together on Thursdays to pray is, it gives me joy. 
to get me through that next phase, to get me through that next, you know, because life's hard, guys. You know, we, 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 you know, we, we don't, one thing I like about here, we don't come here acting like we have it all together. We don't come here, you know, I think all of us know, you know, our struggles and our issues and even, even our walk with Christ, sometimes it's hard because sometimes we slip up, sometimes we make mistakes. But we, we need to, you know, start to really declare our, you know, declare that and, you know, just let people know, like, listen, like, we're, we're trying to follow Jesus just like you. You know, just like the 12 disciples that followed him before and just like those who before Christ, you know, try to follow God. You know, we're just, we're just in, a, we're, we're, we're in good company though. Mm -hmm. That's right. This is what I want you, we're in good company. Because mm -hmm. those who have gone before us and those who have gone ahead of us, everything that we're going through, they went through it too. There are brothers and sisters in every room that's on. Paul says, he said, there's a cloud of heavenly witnesses rooting us on. So if, that, if that's biblical and that's true, there are people rooting us on. So we just have to keep, I think, <coughs> thinking higher. And, and, and not just because we see something on TV or we see something um, on the news or we see stuff or we talk to people. Or we just need to think higher of ourselves and we need to think higher in life. And I think the more we think higher and we start doing things on a higher level, I think the Holy Spirit will start to download stuff to us. Because I don't think the Holy Spirit can really speak to us the way he wants to if we're bound up in a certain mindset or a certain um, environment or a certain way we do things. So I just challenge us all to just, and even myself, I challenge myself, to just think higher, to do things more um, with a purpose, and remember to always count the cost. You know, when, you, when you're in the Spirit, even when you pray. You know, sometimes, you know, when I pray, I don't even... Speaking my normal language, I just pray in the Holy Ghost because I was like, I don't even feel like just letting all these, you know, the spiritual world hear my voice to have the enemy come back and use something against me. So I just pray in the Holy Spirit, you know, just because you just never know. You know, that's why Jesus, a lot of times, he, he shut his mouth and he told things in parables because he didn't want the demonic principalities and powers to hear what he was saying. And he didn't tell people that he was the Christ for a long time. He, he would heal someone, he'd say, don't, don't tell nobody, don't tell nobody who I am, don't, don't tell nobody. Only go tell the Sadducees and Pharisees because he wanted them to know what he did, but he didn't want them to know he was the Christ. Right. So he kept that quiet. So sometimes we have to keep things quiet and just to ourselves to the appointed time. Even with the disciples, he said when he trained them and he was doing this on this, this is a training level. We talked about it before. He says, He says, Who do men say that I am? Jesus said. He asked the disciples, He said, Who do men say that? He said, oh, Some said Elijah, some said John the Baptist, Peter. Only one that stepped out said, You're the Christ. You're the Son of the Living God. No, think about this, guys. Nobody in the whole entire world knew this. So Peter finally, Peter was the first one that actually tapped into a higher level. Right, right, right. A higher level with the Father. So he was hearing his Father's frequency. So he, he actually kissed Peter. He said, He kissed him. He said, Man, he said, You my dude, man. He said, You my right hand. But also because of that, when he said that, guess what? Also, the enemy and the accuser heard that too. So now that's why the enemy tried to attack Peter. That's why he denied him three times. See, when you reveal something in the spirit and the enemy hears it, he comes. But it's okay because later on when Jesus died, even though he denied him, Jesus referred to Peter. He said, keep tending my sheep. He told him, I love you three times. He said, yeah, you denied me three times, but it's okay. Keep feeding my sheep. He said, I love you. Take care of my flock. I love you. I love you. And it says, he said, Jesus, Peter got emotional because he said it the third time. So that was Jesus' way of telling Peter without actually saying, like, oh, like, you denied me. He said, no. He said, just keep doing my will. I love you. So just, just, just stay encouraged, guys. Like, we're on the right, we're on the right page. We're on the right path. I know that was a lot. I know my mouth was, oh. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot, bro. Amen. That was, 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 was